Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. I think a sense of purpose in what you do almost always will get you out. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hi everyone, this is Sanaya Gurnamal on the Project Loving Myself podcast, the well-being podcast that makes it all about you because you matter and sometimes we're so busy serving other people in our life that we forget to focus on ourselves. So in this podcast, for the next hour and a bit, we're going to focus on you. We're going to focus on growing, changing, transforming and learning to love yourself because that is what Project Loving Myself is all about. I'm so intrigued by our guest today, Bianca Gonzalez-Intel, who is not only a Filipino television host, but also a model, writer, advocate, content creator, and digital content director of She Talks Asia. As an advocate, Bianca was appointed as a UNICEF Philippines child rights supporter and has been recognized for her contributions to society. At age 23, she became the youngest person to be named by People Asia as one of the most influential personalities of the year in 2006. And by 2014, she published her first book, Paano Bato, How to Survive Growing Up. My Tagalog is not great, so I hope I said that correctly. But the book talks about the most common issues that the younger generation are facing as they move into adulthood. Two years ago, she started her own vlog on YouTube to help others realize, in her own words, that they are not alone with what they are going through and that whatever it is, they can get through it too. And it is this sentiment of wanting to help others and support them through her content as well as the sincerity and intelligence of her content that really stands out about Bianca. So join me today as we discover what makes Bianca who she is. Welcome to the show, Bianca. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that lovely, lovely intro. I feel like I was shrinking in my chair when you were saying the introduction. Oh no, why? I thought I I captured your essence well. 
So tell me about that. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's always an out-of-body experience when somebody introduces you via things you've done in your life. I don't know if, if that makes sense. Do you feel sort of shy or do you feel like, oh my God, I did all of that? Like, what's the response in your mind when I'm talking about all these things that you've done? Definitely shy. Definitely shy. And yeah, like an, like it's like you're talking about someone else. I don't know what that is. Maybe you can tell me, but uh, thank you. It's lovely nonetheless to hear such kind words from you. First time to meet you, but thank you. I feel the warmth so much. Well, I'm really, really happy to have you on the show, Bianca. And I have some really great questions lined up because when I was looking a little into your background, researching about you, I mean, there were so many things that sparked my mind, so many questions I had, so many things that I felt um, would be very interesting for our listeners and very inspiring. To start with, I noticed that your Instagram handle and your YouTube channel is called I Am Super Bianca. I feel like there's a story there. What's going on with that? Uh, yes, there is a story. And the story is that back in 2003, so long ago, I was in college. I, I took up communications in college and I liked writing ever since. So... At that time, I had a blockmate. Her name's Ala Paredes. And she had a blog. And of course, back in 2003, blogging then was nowhere near what blogging is now. You know, monetized. with It's sort of like a magazine type already. Back then, a blog was really just a diary online. And so when I saw that she had that, I asked her more about it. And it's like, hey, that's something I want to do too. So when I was thinking of a name for the blog, I was thinking long and hard of what it should be. So as an idealistic college student, I, the title was The Diary of a Supergirl Wannabe. And that is how Super Bianca, which eventually became I Am Super Bianca, became the online handle. And I guess, because I started that prior to doing TV, so as a private individual, the, the Supergirl wannabe, the Super Bianca was already something. So it just so happened that when I got into a public type of job, I just had to stick to it. And I had to, I guess I feel like it's also partly, it partly motivates me. Like when I see it, I'm like, okay. I'm going to do this. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. It, it actually makes perfect sense because as you're talking, I'm thinking this must be like your avatar. You know, the I am super girl wannabe, the super Bianca. That is maybe the ideal self or the the person that you keep want to stepping in. You keep want to step into those shoes. That's your aspiration. Would you agree with that? Would you say that that's kind of who you see yourself as in your mind? I, I love that explanation. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, maybe maybe it's also that. Maybe it's something that, yeah, because I called it of a supergirl wannabe. It's something I want to be still. So yeah, something I work towards, I guess, 
um, every day and with everything I do. And so this idea of Supergirl, Bianca, is that like someone like Superman or is it like Supergirl who's, you know, multitasking and doing so many different things and still doing it in like a super way? And I ask this question because you're a mom of two, you're a wife, you're a business owner, you are a host, a model, an endorser, and a digital content director. I mean, look at all these different roles that you play. You're obviously a multitasker. How do you manage to do all of these things? And is this part of your Supergirl secret? Oh my goodness. I don't know if there is a Supergirl secret. Sometimes I... Not, not sometimes. A lot of times, I totally get imposter syndrome about the juggling everything. I feel like how things have happened in my life, it, it, it's sort of like a rhythm and a natural flow. I say that because I mentioned I was a communication student. So I took up that course because I wanted to be a filmmaker. But in the course of my pursuing that dream job in production, I was discovered to be on cam, which is why I became a host and eventually became a columnist and a magazine editor and then eventually was brought to She Talks Asia. It's like things I never really planned, but the door opened and I, I took the risk. It's also because of the job that I do that I met my husband and my husband is the reason I have my two kids. So... I'd like to say that nothing was really planned, but I do know that everything I do leads me to the next thing. And sometimes I'm not ready for that next thing yet. And I say that because of, for example, She Talks Asia. I originally was supposed to start with them when they started from the beginning with Sarah, Lynn, and Victoria. But at that time in my life, I was a new mom of one, and I felt like I wasn't ready to take on another responsibility. But then years after, when they were looking to expand and then they got in touch with me again, I was already a mom of two. I was in a different place in my life. That is when I said yes to, to joining. So uh, yeah, it's a mix of twists and turns, things I never planned, but also things that I take on when I feel I'm ready. You know, I like what you said, Bianca, because you said that there's a rhythm and there's sort of a flow to life. And I think that's very true, that life also takes its own course. And either we go with that rhythm, with that flow, or perhaps, like you said, sometimes you're just not ready and you take a step back, but you kind of end up there anyways, just like you did at She Talks Asia. So perhaps you weren't ready at the first time, but you ended there anyways. So that natural rhythm is there. Um, but I also think that yeah. there are two types of people. There are two types of people that I've come across. Either you have that person who knows exactly who they want to be. They know exactly where life is going to take them. They're very focused. And everything they're, they're doing is about that one, you know, important goal that drives them. And then there's the other type of person, the person who kind of you know, ends up in their career almost by accident, or they end up, you know, in front of the camera like you without intending to be. And things in their life just unfold. And what they did was just kind of flow. You know, they went step by step, whatever came in front of them. And um, these two kinds of people have very different personalities. Okay. The person who's very goal oriented, by the way, I was exactly that type of person 
before I got into well-being and healing and spirituality. So I understand that person that really, you know, goal oriented. They had they think they have their life sort of planned out for them. And then the other type of person, it's more of being in harmony with whatever life gives them. And often life will take them into areas that are entirely new and unexpected. And how they respond will dictate how easy that journey is. Okay. Both types of individuals have success that will come to them, but it's just a different approach. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about the way you have chosen to let your life lead you step by step, you know, unfolding along the way? I am so fascinated with what you just said. <laughs> First time for me to hear that, and it makes perfect sense. I love how you put it, and I totally think that I am the second type of person. And I'm happy to know also that I'm not alone. Like other people have, I guess it's a way of winging it, but not. And Purposeful. It, Bianca, yes. purposeful winging it. You know, so you're not yes. just taking every opportunity. You're thinking about every step of the way, but you're also kind of, doing it with the flow of life. So purposeful, intentional. I like that. I, I learned the term from someone who I consider a friend and mentor, Anthony Pangilinan. He's a businessman. He's a, he's a trainer. He mentioned the term to me before called, you have to be purposefully opportunistic. Mm. Meaning if opportunities present themselves, you don't just grab and grab and grab just any opportunity. You should only say yes to those which are aligned with your purpose. And so that's why what you said makes perfect sense because I may not have known what my end goal was. Like I never wanted to be a host. I never thought I'd, I'd ever write or uh, be an editor of a magazine, etc. But because they were all within the realm of what I like doing, my passion, my mission, I guess that's why it all fell into place. You know, I um, I went to University of Pennsylvania in the U.S. I thought I would do marketing, consulting. I ended up becoming a fashion buyer for Saks Fifth Avenue, which is kind of like the Rustans, right, of the Philippines, but mm -hmm. in the U.S. And so I was doing fashion buying. I was doing financial planning with a bit of that. So I was kind of like Rachel from Friends for a while. And I really thought that I was going to go down that corporate route and my life just completely took me in a different direction where I became, of all things, a healer. I mean, a healer and corporate are like opposite ends of the spectrum. And fashion. And fashion, you know. So I like to be like a fashionable healer. You know, I still like to shop and I still like to do all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, what I'm really about is working with people, teaching people. And now the podcast, this is sort of my new project. And the idea is, you know, building connection, meaningful connection with people, helping people to sort of uplift themselves and uplift other people. And I would have never in a million years thought, you know, 15 years ago that this is what I'll be doing. But I, I went with life. And it brought me to a point where I look back and say, wow, you know, there really was a plan. So you mentioned, you said, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the end goal is. Okay. But at the same time, Bianca, you do things that are very meaningful, that feel like they're part of this one big 
orchestrated, orchestrated maybe by the universe, maybe not by you, but there's definitely something major going on here. Because if I look at your journey, there is really something specific you're doing. There's a message, there is communication and conversation, and there are certain ideas that values that come across from what you're doing. I mean, even the book, okay? The book turned into the vlog. And I've seen that YouTube channel. There's a lot of videos in there. And some of these videos, I mean, just the kind of topics that you explore. This is beyond just, you know, normal vlogging. That's why I said the content you create, that's what really stuck out. It's very intelligent. It's very um, meaningful. So tell me about that. Where did this all come from? Wow, I've never been able to reflect that much on why I do what I do. But when you were like taking me back through the journey of creating the book, then the vlog, a few thoughts were popping up into my head. The book in 2014, also titled Paano Bato. As a writer, I guess that's one of your dreams to be able to come out with a book. And so because I did not write fiction and because I don't, I'm not comfortable with talking about myself or like selling my story or whatever. I feel like who's going to be interested. I knew I wanted to write about something that people wanted from me. So looking back at my journey, at the start of my blog, the start of my TV career, I noticed that people would come to me for advice or ask me my opinion, ask me what I thought. So that is what the book became about. It's like an advice book compiled advice from me, from people I know, from guests who I interviewed. And the, the vlog happened, I believe, two years after. I've always wanted to start my own YouTube channel. But again, I was very uncomfortable with the thought about of it being about me. Like, hey, here's what I'm eating now. Or, hey, here's what I'm doing now. Here's my home. I'm very, very private. And I'm really not comfortable with showing that much of my life. At that time, I wasn't really traveling a lot. I wasn't into beauty, not into fashion. So I was thinking, what type of content could I do that would be of value to the one watching? And it, the answer was just right there in front of me, the book, Paano Bato? Because it's so different when you read advice and it's so different when you see someone talking, sharing their story, how they went through the same problem but got through it. So that naturally happened and the, the vlog took a life of its own. It's definitely not the usual celebrity vlog that shares what I do, but I really do find so much purpose and meaning into it. It only, some videos have 100,000 views, some videos have 3,000 views, but to me, um, my metric for it being a successful video is that I know that the person who watched it who has the same problem was helped, felt a bit lighter, um, felt the courage to carry on. It's not one of those vlogs that really have like a million views or is trending. But I guess all content creators offer something different. And I guess this is my, my offering to the world. It's interesting that you said that, that the reason you do it is the end goal of whoever's watching is helped by the video. 
Okay. And you also talked about, you know, you don't really want to talk about yourself, but you want to talk about things that matter to other people. And as a content creator, which is what you are, and I'm a content creator in the last one year, I've started to create a lot more content. One thing I've noticed is people learn through stories. We're all storytellers. I mean, content creators are all spinning webs of stories in the hopes or in the effort, more than a hope. I don't like the word hope, but in the effort to connect with the audience, right? To impact them or influence them in a positive way, okay? Which is why we choose the specific kind of content that we want to share with people. And I talked to actually somebody on the show recently who said in the beginning, she was really concerned about how many people were watching, how many people were following, okay? But then she realized that's not really about being authentic. It was about whether you were able to do what you wanted to do with that video or with that content, that you were able to impact somebody, okay? So what kind of feedback do you actually get from people who watch? Like, do they write into you and tell you, you know, I, I made this change or this happened? And is that what gets you going? Is that what is perhaps the highlight of what you do? So the story of how the vlog started was when I finally decided that, okay, uh, paano ba will will be the concept of the YouTube channel? I remember tweeting, saying, Hi, if there's any problem that you think you need advice to, please email askpaanbato at gmail.com and I'll try my best to find um, the help you need. I slept. When I woke up the next day, I had like 200 emails or something like that. So I took the tweet down just because like I was overwhelmed. I might not be able to to read through everything. And I guess people responded to that tweet because they knew already that I came out with a book. So there was that connection that they could trust me with their story. And maybe with my body of work, um, with the interviews I do uh, as a TV host, they, yeah, that's what I could say, that they trusted me with their story. So when I went through their letters... When you when you when you ask me about the rewarding part, the fulfilling part, or what keeps me going, it's that it's that people feel like they are able to open up. People share that they're not alone in what they're going through. I get direct messages every day saying thank you for the videos that I do, or I didn't know that other people were also going through this. Um, thank you for sharing that video, or can you do a video about this? And even to the point that brands would partner with me on videos, because I guess they see the value of the type of content that I do. All kinds of stories. It's really, really so fascinating. I, I think if anything, I've learned that one, sometimes people just need to be listened to. Yeah, people I agree. People just need to feel seen and I feel that that is something that Paano Bato gives. They feel heard and they feel seen. Second is little do we know that the person across us has the same problem as we do just in a different environment and of different magnitude, of a different magnitude. So yeah, that is what definitely what keeps me going. I also feel less alone in the things I'm going through because of the, the videos that I do. I definitely learn from every guest that I have. And 
I've also found on on the flip side, I've also found that everyone I invite, a, a subject matter expert, an an artista, a big celebrity, or a public figure, they love being able to share advice about something they've gone through. It's like when you ask someone, is it okay if you guess and give advice? They always say yes, because I guess that's that innate thing in everyone to help and get mm-hmm. and share whatever experience they have to help another person. Bianca, you were saying that your audience, your listeners, you know, the people who are viewing your channel, they feel listened to. And sometimes that's what they need. They need to be heard. They need to know that somebody else is going through the same thing. And so part of the Paano Bato journey it's is... It's correct. Okay, I'm learning Tagalog. My Tagalog is not so fluent, but I'm really doing my best. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just going to say, so people being heard and listened to, do you think that this is also part of what you're seeking in life, because often what we do for others or what's going on in terms of our mission, our, our passion, or what we feel very driven to do for other people has a lot to do with what we're seeking for ourselves. So are you looking, perhaps, to be heard, to be listened to? And, or is this something that maybe you didn't feel when you were younger. And so it inspired you to maybe want to help other people to feel the same way. The reason I ask this is because when I got into healing, I didn't get into healing to be like, be a well-being coach or, you know, to start a healing center. I didn't intend to do all of that. I went into it because I wanted to understand myself better. You know, I found areas in my life where you know, I wasn't really quite happy about things or I didn't feel comfortable or safe or maybe I felt like I wasn't really lacking enough love for myself. And I had a childhood with um, a lot of different things that I needed to resolve and heal. And so it started with my own journey. It was about me. And as I started to see everything in my life change, it became like, wait, I want to do this for other people. I mean, if it's so easy for us to, to move forward and heal and improve ourselves and develop, then everybody else should get that chance too. And so when you're talking, I'm hearing that, you know, I'm hearing someone who really cares about helping people, but it must have started somewhere, right? It must have come from somewhere. So tell me about that. Wow. Maybe we should talk again tomorrow after I reflect. <laughs> After I reflect on such a big question, you know, no, I've been interviewed so many times and nobody has asked me that question. Maybe it's something I definitely have to sift through and sit through. I do know that a huge part of why I felt this is my purpose or calling or whatever we may call it is that ever since I was young, my mom, my family, uh, raised me with the thinking that whatever it is that we are given in life, whether it's a talent, a skill, resources, whatever, it's given to us to be of service to others, to share mm-hmm. with others. In Atenea, the college I went to, it's all about being a man for others. So all my life, it's like that's really that really has been the... I don't know what it is. The guiding light, the mantra. The message. Yeah, the message. The message. 
it's really been ingrained in my mind, in my heart. So everything I do has been sort of connected to that. With regards to whether it's something that I needed, okay. maybe, um, I do know that when paano ba to the, the blog, the vlog, sorry, I do know that when I started the Paano Bato YouTube channel, I was at a point in my life where I have been hosting for, well, at that time when I started the YouTube channel, I was already a professional TV host for maybe 12, 13 years. And I was, I guess I was at a point where I wasn't doing as many shows that I wanted. I wasn't being given the chance to host the type of shows that I wanted um, because of many reasons. And so I guess my thinking was, okay, if I won't get that chance, I might as well create other opportunities for myself. Maybe... Amazing. And there it is. You answered my question because you were at a point in your life where you weren't creating the kind of content that was making you happy. Okay. You were not given the um, opportunity. Yeah. I, mean, I, I Don't get me wrong. I have been like immensely blessed with the type of TV shows I have been. I've had the opportunity to host Pinoy Big Brother and Cinema News and the morning show, so many um, purpose-filled hosting jobs. But I remember that I wanted, I was dreaming of like, you know how here in the Philippines we buy franchises of foreign um, talent shows or types of shows, right. and then we make a local version. Whenever I, I would hear that a new one would come in, I'm like, wow, I want to be given the chance to host that. I can so do that. And that happened so many times, but I never got the chance to because, of course, they got uh, another host to do it, a bigger host. For Again, so many reasons. Other reasons. There are so many talented hosts in the country. And so I was just never given that chance. So I remember that was a huge factor in me finally saying, okay, I'll start my YouTube channel and produce sort of like my own show. The show, I guess, that I could do other things as well. So that's where you weren't being heard. You weren't being listened, right? You, you didn't get the visibility or that opportunity. So you created it for yourself, which is something I really like to, to remind people that when the opportunity doesn't come to you, like it, it just doesn't come in your direction for some reason. It could be what's going on around you, outside of you. You can create your own opportunity. You can find your own way to deliver what you want. And I think that's what, this generation is all about is everybody is finding their voice and finding their own way of communicating. I mean, that's what social media is, right? People are connecting on sort of situations that are very personal to them. And I think that Definitely. is. Do you remember what it's like being in your twenties? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. 
Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah. And you also said something else that caught my attention, Bianca. You said that your family raised you to be of service and then that was reinforced in Ateneo. And I, I can sort of understand that because, uh, I've been here in the Philippines for almost 10 years now, and I actually did study at Ateneo as well. Um, so I'm quite familiar with, it is really all about uh-huh. service, but it's, it's also a Filipino thing, right? It's a very cultural thing that, you know, it's in the constitution. It's in sort of the government. It's this idea that service, service, service is kind of like a big value for people here. And I understand that. I recognize that. And I really honor that. And I think that that is something um, that makes Filipino people always want to help. Okay. And I think that's why they are very, they are very much recognized and they, they do really well in areas of service because it's ingrained in the culture. It's like a belief system. And it is really something to, to recognize and to celebrate about the country. I'm now Filipino. So about me, yeah, I, I actually just uh, got my Filipino passport, so it's me as well now. But it's, yeah, it's something that's very cultural over here, which I love. Now, tell me about She Talks Asia, okay? So what is the mission of this organization? I know you mentioned that, you know, you were already sort of part of it, the energy from the time it started, but really formally joined a little bit later. But I know that um, some of the subjects tackled by She Talks Asia are things like body love, body positivity. It seems like really a lot to do with well-being, female empowerment, and sort of uplifting each other as women. Tell me a little bit more about this and um, why this is something that you like to be a part of. Why have you chosen to be a part of this organization? Okay, so She Talks Asia is basically, we don't know how to define it yet, but in a nutshell, we call it a women empowerment platform. And so basically what we do is, well, prior to the quarantine and COVID, we organize conferences, events, and talks that discuss issues that are important to women or issues that women should talk about more. And so I, I remember being invited to an exploratory meeting by Sarah Meyer, who is our CEO, Lynn Pinugu, and Victoria Herrera. So they were the three founding partners. I remember we just had coffee and then they were, we were talking about it. And then they asked me if I wanted to be part of it. And I said, like I mentioned earlier, I said at the time that I, I felt I wasn't ready, but that if they needed a speaker or a moderator, I would be up for it. So I was part of almost every conference since then until they looked to expand, which is when they added Isa Calzado, yeah. who, who spearheaded the body love movement, and me, 
And I came on as digital content director because that's more of my area of, of interest, the, uh, the social media part of it, and try to translate what we do and the issues we want to talk about on social media. I guess I felt that I wanted to be a part of it because, like you mentioned in your introduction earlier, at the start of my career, my, my main advocacy was really education thus the tie-up with UNICEF as a child rights supporter. I remember back then, I, I was really heavily into projects that uh, we visited public schools to distribute uh, school supplies, uh, to check how the early childcare development programs were going, etc., etc. And then, you know how as you grow, your interests also evolve <laughs> Your life phase also brings you to a different place. So I remember for a time, I became interested in work with the Climate Change Commission, Commission so more of the environment. And then it evolved, of course, when I became a wife and a mom. That is where I felt like, wow, there are so many issues that women go through that we should really talk about. And so mm -hmm. that is when I felt like, okay, this is where I want to be right now, and this is where I want to lend my voice and whatever I can offer right now. So, yeah, body positivity. Just recently, our, our, our major, we usually have a Women's Month Summit, which is every March, and we were all set to have it at the end of March till the lockdown started March 15, and we were like, ah, okay, we'll have it in August, we said. <laughs> Fast forward to July and we're like, I don't think we're having it in August. Yeah. So we're pivoting it to be a smaller online type um, event. But I, I, I think a month ago, we had a partnership with Avon and we co-hosted with them. We call it a tribe meetup, which is more of like a, a more intimate event compared to a conference. And the, the, the advocacy of Avon has always been uh, on violence against women and children. So that was a very, very insightful event because ironically, when you say quarantine, lockdown, it's to keep us safe from the outside. But unfortunately, not all women have that safety. In fact, they're... Um, abusers are in their homes with them. So it was quite a heavy topic, but so important and we learned so many things. And yeah, I guess at She Talks Asia, we just hope to keep conversations going on these issues that um, women go through. You know, um, during the lockdown, I was reading uh, several articles and the number of cases of domestic abuse has risen sharply because now people are quarantined in their home. So it is a real problem. And it is a real problem because a lot of women don't talk about it. A lot of times they're afraid of getting into, you know, more abuse, you know, being punished by their partners for speaking out. Also, a lot of women I know feel very helpless in that situation. They feel like there's no other, you know, option but to stay in that kind of a situation. So what do you think of how COVID is now impacting relationships, families, you know, the kinds of issues that are, people are definitely dealing with things like, in addition to domestic abuse, you have more cases of suicide, depression, you know, people are feeling very isolated. There's a lot of uncertainty. 
So what are your thoughts, Bianca, about that? How are you dealing with the uncertainty of COVID and uh, the kind of issues it's going to give rise to? Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's so difficult. It's like one issue after another. You wake up the next day and you open the news and you're like, what? It's really so difficult. And every day I just... Every day, our prayers are honestly prayers of thanks. At the end of the day, with our, our, our daughter, our toddler who knows how to pray now, she knows the drill. We really just thank God for every little single blessing. And it, it's so cute because my daughter knows to say, thank you, God, for the pancake that I ate. And thank you, God, for that. How do I put it? So many things are uncertain especially in the industry that I'm in, especially with what happened to the network that I work for, especially because my husband, the industry he's in is sports. It's also a non-essential industry. I mean, the, the number of uncertainties are just endless and the list keeps adding. But I just feel like what has gotten us through this is a lot of gratitude and... Some days are very dark. Some days are very difficult. And I do recognize how lucky I am to be given the chance to work from home, to have a home. So, yeah, gratitude with planning and budgeting on the side. Yeah. Plus hustling from home is definitely how I feel I am managing my mental health and sanity through this whole thing. I think that's a really important message that when things look bleak and uncertain and when you feel like maybe you're drowning. So for anyone listening, you feel like you're drowning and how uncertain and, you know, how difficult things seem right now. As long as you focus on the things that you do have, the things you can be grateful for, that will keep you afloat. So remember what you have. Remember that there are so many things that you have, like your health, your life, okay? Things like pancake, okay? Things like a nice meal. You know, honestly, during lockdown, for me, Bianca, it was like the meal times. At the end of a meal, I would feel really just happy looking at my family around me. I would be grateful for that food. And I, too, used a lot of gratitude and a lot of gratitude exercises. And I actually have done um, an IGTV video as well talking about how if we can focus on, on gratitude, the energy of gra gratitude is so powerful that if we can focus on what we have, then we won't be thinking about what we don't have. And that puts our yeah. mind in a much more comfortable position. But you're absolutely right about, you know, the hustling, the budgeting. So there are things we can do to be proactive, right? Like we can take care of our immunity. We can, you know, find creative ways of using our time. Okay. And that will yes. sort of direct ourselves not to go out and spiral into that whole fear loop or that whole, you know, uncertainty, which actually makes you sort of freeze because you don't know what to do next. So I'm glad you shared that. I think that's very, very helpful. But how do you feel now? I about actually, I'll, I'll just add um, where I actually got that insight I've always had an attitude of gratitude, like they say, but just specifically to this quarantine, to this COVID situation, I remember that as soon as the lockdown was announced, 
And remember there was a sort of disbelief, chaos, like you weren't sure what was going on when it was announced. For some reason, my personality type, whatever personality type this is, I remember that the first thing, one of the first things I knew I wanted to do it was like automatic. I, I, in my head, it was like, okay, I'm doing a series with psychologists of how to cope being stuck at home. Because I work for, like I mentioned earlier, I work for the show called Pinoy Big Brother, which is basically where they house people with no contact with the outside world. So for some reason, the connection my brain made when the quarantine was announced was that, okay, I've had an experience of living inside the Big Brother house, being isolated from the outside world. And I know that can have massive effects on different types of personalities. So I want to try to help guide people through it, through a series of videos with um, um, psychologists to help people understand why our, why our attitude or our reactions change when we're stuck at home, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the interviews I did was with Brother Bo Sanchez, and that is where he mentioned, because one of the questions was about how, parang about, um, I'm worrying too much, I'm overthinking. And his answer was exactly that. He said, you have to change your glasses from worry to gratitude. And he said that you really have to be intentional about gratitude. The smaller the thing you are grateful for, the better. Just list it, every single thing. And I, I really I, I appreciated how he said we should be intentional about it because I think that makes even more of a difference from just an attitude of gratitude, being very deliberate and intentional about the things you are thankful for. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. This is Magellan Fitalino. I am an entrepreneur and I am the host of Lovepreneurs, a podcast where we talk about people who run businesses and projects out of passion and love. Catch our lovely guests and I as we discuss steamy topics and challenges in fighting for what you love. Available in all major podcast platforms. See you at Lovepreneurs. I love that. Being very intentional and deliberate about what we are grateful for. And that's really, I think, uh, a great tip for people that it's not just about being thankful, but really being intentional about it. How about positivity, Bianca? How do you stay positive considering, you know, COVID and all these other issues that are happening in the world? I mean, the political climate, the economic climate. I mean, everything right now is pretty much gone to, you know, you know what I mean? It's just gone to nothing right now. So how do you stay positive? Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a little bit also about, you know, what happened with the network and how you feel about all of that. So how are you coping? How are you managing? It's so difficult to stay positive. That is the answer. And how I do it, oh my goodness. There are definitely good days and bad days. There are days that I just feel the weight of all the negativity. But there are days that you wake up and you're a bit more, hmm, I feel hopeful today. So 
I think how I have been able to cope, aside from that lens of gratitude, is I allow myself to feel things. Maybe that's also something I learned from the series of interviews I've been doing to help myself as well. But I, I acknowledge when I feel bad or when I feel angry. I let it out when I need to. Um, you mentioned about the closure of the network, the, the non-renewal of the franchise of ABS-CBN. And I've actually cried several times in front of my kids and my husband because sometimes you just have to let it out. And that is also, that also connects to some, that also connects to the way in which I have chosen to raise my kids to show them that it's okay to feel things. It's okay to cry. It's okay to let it out. It's normal to feel sad. So yeah, that is how I have been coping. I go through the motion of the ocean, as they say. I go through the emotion, and then when I get to breathe it out, okay, I feel a bit better now. I'm going. I'm going back to work. And aside from that, maybe fellow parents can relate. But when you see your children smile and hug you say I love you and say silly things. I mean, that is just, wow. That pulls me out of a rough day. Yeah. I totally, totally relate to that. I have two little boys, three Aww. and four, four and a half as well. And their smiles can just turn anything into, you know, positivity. But, um, Definitely, I want to highlight what you said. Go through the motion of the ocean. You know, feel that emotion. I think a lot of people, and I'm sure you agree with this, Bianca, a lot of people run away from their emotions. A lot of women and, and men too, I mean, they both approach emotion in a different way. Men have been taught that if they show emotion, if they cry, it makes them weak. You know, maybe they won't be respected. So men have to constantly keep it together. And women, on the other hand, you know, they don't want to deal with the pain. They don't want to deal with those emotions. And then they try to be strong for everybody else. And they hide from those feelings. And so I think that what you said about, you know, let yourself feel it. Have a good cry. You know, it's okay. But then don't get stuck in that. You know, don't get, don't wallow in that self-pity or the negativity or the, you know, whatever negative emotion you're feeling, but snap out of it. Okay. Have it out, let it out and then move forward. So I think that's what you've done. And that's how you've managed to maybe come to terms with it or cope with it in a way that it has not become debilitating. It has not uh, brought you down. So, so definitely that was something really amazing to be able to share with everybody else. Um, I think I would like to add to that because you're right. And although I know and understand that it's easier said than done to go through it and then pull yourself out or snap out of it or whatever the term is, I feel like what does work for me and I hope it works for others who might be going through something similar is that Okay, let's say you feel something and you cry it out and you want to pull yourself out, but it's so hard, right? I think a sense of purpose in what you do almost always will get you out. Tell me that about has that. definitely helped me. Sense of purpose in what you do. 
Tell me about that, Bianca. What do you mean by that? Well, as a mother, and like you mentioned, with the with the work that I do, whether it's um, interviews on TV as a host, with me as the interviewer, or uh, She Talks Asia, or paano ba to, it keeps me going knowing that what I do serves a purpose or what I do is of value to others. In Tagalog, it's may silbi pala ako, may kwenta pala ako. And when, when you know that, that helps get you out of a rut, let's say. Or in the so case of like, a parent, of course, your children need you. Literally, the children need you. Ah, where are you, right? right. Um, so yeah, that, that gets you, that helps get you out of whatever rut you're in. So it's like focus on the bigger picture and focus on what you can do instead of what's happening to you, what's out of your control. Focus on how you can turn it around so you can do something about it or that how it can still, you know, go right back to why you do what you do. Go back to that purpose. And I think that maybe a lot of people also have not really sat down to think about what is their purpose in life? You know, what are they here for? What do they want to do? What do they want to leave on this planet once they're gone? And I think maybe asking that question can give people a sense of purpose. You know, what, what do I want to do? How do I want my life to, to be? There's, there's a quote that comes to mind that your life is your message. And that's really your purpose, right? Your life is your message. So what message are you going to leave Okay. What do you think of what's going on politically here in the Philippines? Anti-terror bill, what happened with ABS-CBN. What is going on? What are your thoughts about this as a citizen here in the Philippines? Uh, I have so many feelings about it personally and um, as a citizen it's so difficult now because it's so polarized. And I've always been very vocal or um, very active in sharing my opinion on things. But more and more, especially now that the, everything's so heightened, also I guess because of the quarantine, it's so difficult to... Sh- to, to speak up on issues because exactly that. It's so polarized. Like, you say one thing and people will... You say letter A and people will say, oh, but B, C, D, E, F, G, H, H, H. It's so emotionally charged. And I guess because it's a lot of issues just one after the other. And I don't know. I actually don't know how I feel about it. I feel about it differently every day. But I do know that I guess because we all have different backgrounds, we all grew up in different environments, we all believe in different things or hold a different set of values, we really all will end up having a different opinion or taking different sides. And I just try as much as possible to understand where the other side is coming from. I guess that's where I am right now. You know, I love that you said that as well, Bianca, because... There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people talking and expressing their opinion. 
And sometimes we are so caught up in trying to put our opinion forth that we don't understand the other different points of view. And so this goes back to your whole theme of being listened to, of being heard. And what I think you've learned, it sounds like from your journey, is how important it is to listen to other people. How important is it is to acknowledge that other people need to be heard. You know, that that uh, it's really not about just one point of view. There are many point of, points of view. And even though we may not agree with that, it is what it is, right? I'll add to that, uh, if you don't mind. I think Please that do. I also came to this point in my life because when I was younger, of course, I was more, what's the word? Fearless in sharing my opinion. So I have had a number of wrong opinions that I've shared publicly. I've had a number of opinions that have hurt people around me. So I guess it's a learning process. Uh, sharing your opinion and especially posting your opinion for the public to see is, is really a learning process. And I'm still learning for sure. Tell me about that, Bianca. What did you learn? I mean, through all perhaps those experiences that you had and being a public figure, how responsible do we need to be about what we're sharing? And I, I also ask this question because a lot of what I talk about sometimes can really push people's buttons. I talk a lot about being responsible for the challenges in your life. And sometimes, sometimes people don't want to hear that. They want to blame somebody else. They don't want to take responsibility. So how important it is, is it to you to be responsible about the opinions or to uh, maybe filter, not to filter? Do we share how we feel, what we're advocates of, what we're passionate about? Or do we just kind of take a step back because you know people aren't ready to listen? What have you learned through your experiences? A lot, but uh, a couple of things maybe. First is to each his own. Um, some people are more comfortable with sharing opinions and thoughts publicly. Some prefer to share it just with their close circle of friends or family. Speaking up or staying silent, in quotes, is really a very, very personal decision and only that person can, can make that call. Second is that... This I've seen also all over Instagram, which I'm happy about. It's okay to change your stand on something when presented with new evidence or new thoughts or new stories or a new side to things. And as my friend Anna Oposa uh, put it, where you are on certain issue, the needle moves depending mm. on what you know and whose side, whose story you, you hear. And third is we're only human and it's okay to say sorry if you said something wrong or you hurt someone with what you said. Uh, yeah, maybe those are the three major things I've learned. I think those are very practical tips, you know, to, to make sure we are also constantly learning and not being stuck to one opinion. Because you're right, things do change. New information presents itself. And that needle moving is also part of personal growth because our, our perspective will shift 
as we evolve and become a bit more mature in terms of how we're looking at things. I know that I've had debates with people where some people get very passionate about, you know, but we have to speak up. You know, we have to, you know, call out those things that are wrong. But my point of view is, I think we should speak up, but there are the right ways of speaking up, the right platforms. So like I see a lot of people on social media, they just vent, 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 or, you know, they share things that are sometimes not credible. And I've been guilty of that myself. And when someone called it out, you know, when I, when I shared something and somebody called it out as not being like accurate or credible news, I actually, you know, I realized that, you know, I should be screening or filtering what I'm passing on as well, because I'm just as responsible for sharing information. So I think being mindful and, and definitely allowing yourself to change, not being stuck to, to any one idea um, is something what I'm hearing from you as well. And I think that's a really practical tip for people who are making themselves heard on social media or other platforms. Totally. And I'd just like to add to that to each his own um, thought. When I say to each his own, it also means for those people who do decide to speak up on social media, let's say that's, the, that's what we're talking about. Um, to each his own means we all have different personalities. And so the way in which we react to things will also differ. Like I said, when I was younger, I was more fearless and really more spicy with sharing my opinions. But now as a mother, I guess it has tempered it somehow. And I am so grateful for all the younger ones who are feistier and more fearless and who speak out and get angry because they say the things that I have no courage to say now, for example. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, um, we all have, uh, there could be one issue and 10 different people will, and 10 different people who are on the same side of that issue will still react differently. Some will post in all caps with exclamation marks while some will be more calm, while some will call out, etc., etc. So um, only we, only that person can say where they are on that spectrum. Got it. So it's really also understanding that everybody has kind of a different purpose and they're driven by different things. And they're at different points in their life, right? So maybe being a little understanding also of that. Now, as an advocate of healthy habits, Okay, so I've seen you um, talk about this over Instagram in your different videos. What do you recommend to other mothers out there? What are things that you would like to advocate or share with other people that have helped you? As a mother, I again, I'm sure you 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 share you share the same thoughts. The the learning is endless. Every day you're like second guessing yourself. Sometimes you feel like you're on top of things and sometimes you're just like, what's happening? So as a mom, I feel that one thing I do want to share with all other moms is the insight that just like every child is different, every mother is different. 
and understanding that will help us be kinder to ourselves, will help us stop comparing ourselves to how other moms are doing it and how their kids are doing it. I learned a line from teacher Tina Zamora um, from an interview I did with her, and she said, we are the experts on our own children. And when she said that, it was like a wave of comfort came over me because I was like, wow, that is so comforting to hear. And I remember in the first few months of my being a new mom to my firstborn, I was very intentional about posting the the ugly side of motherhood, like the eye bags and like the and my captions would really be about my suffering and trauma in the first few months. <laughs> I often would say that naloko ako ng Instagram. I don't know if you were you know the word naloko. I feel I felt I I when I was a first time mom I would say I I felt duped by Instagram because all these moms ahead of me before I became a mom were posting such beautiful pictures and <laughs> picturesque and like all as if mother motherhood was so effortless and there I was in my first five months I would say that was the traumatizing period the first five months of my firstborn I was like what's going on I don't know what to do. I'm not sleeping I'm so tired so I remember being intentional about posting the more raw stories because I don't want to be that mom that will give the expectant mom the wrong idea about how tough motherhood is. Although there are some mothers who are so effortless at it and wow, I, I hats off to them, but I'm not one of them. And in one of those posts, someone commented on it, another mom quoting someone, I, I forget the name of who said this quote, I'm sorry, but to paraphrase, she commented, God knew exactly the kind of mother your child needed before she was born. And I remember reading that comment and just crying. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. What a blessing that comment was. And I have held on to to thoughts like that um, ever since because um, it's true. I agree with you completely on on that, Bianca. I do believe that it's not us who choose our children. Our children choose us. You know, before they're born, they choose exactly the type of mother that will give them the best opportunities for growth. Okay? Our children really choose the right environment, family, mother, father, everything that will give them the best chance to blossom and to grow into the people they're meant to be. And so I I don't think we can really do wrong by our children when we do our best. Okay. Cause some things are just really meant to be that way. Okay. Like even just between my two children, the upbringing they've had, and they're only a year and a half apart is entirely different because of circumstances, because of things that were going on in our lives, different places. You know, my husband was in a different place with our first child. I was in a different place with the second child. And so circumstances just between two children a year and a half apart is entirely different. And that's not anyone's fault. It's the circumstance. And I think that 
it really influences our children to be who they came here to be. So I, I love that comment as well. It was a very inspiring comment. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How do you take care, Bianca, of your personal well-being? And has that ever been a challenge? Have you ever, you know, struggled with mental health or postpartum? Anything that um, you've had to go on a well-being journey or get some help for. Tell me about that. I feel I'm so lucky because, to my knowledge at least, I have never gone through any kind of mental health issue. There are, of course, moments that are so overwhelming and that sometimes you feel so anxious, but Nothing that was ever a major cause of concern. I don't know why. Or maybe I was I just going to say, uh, I was just going to say, why? Why do you think you've actually been able to deal with things in a way that you never got to that point? I think a huge part would be um, so I'm the youngest of three, I'm the youngest of three children, or at least. In my more formative years, let's say middle grade school, my memory of my parents, who eventually separated, it was always a, um, there was a lot of fighting in the house between my parents. And so when I was in late high school, I think, is when they finally decided to separate. So I guess being in an environment like that, and don't get me wrong, loving parents, super loving mom, super loving dad. They loved us. No abuse happened to the children. Us siblings, we love each other. But just them together, it was not a fit. And so I think being exposed to that at a young age, still I grew up. I don't know if it built resilience or I'm not Resilience. Sure what it's built, but that's the <laughs> yeah. exact word that came into my mind as soon as you said it. It's resilience. You learn to deal with things. You learn to cope. Yeah, maybe that's it. And I think that's a good trait. I think for everyone to develop is resilience because resilience means that no matter what's going on, you know you're going to get through it. Okay, you're going to be able to move forward from this. And that takes resilience. So sometimes, you know, these difficult situations that we go through, whether in childhood or whether when we're older, they build some good qualities that will help us in the rest of our life. Uh, so I think that's a def definitely a really big well-being uh, well aspect to, to develop. How about self-care? What are your self-care rituals and how do you find time for you among your busy schedule? What self-care? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think prior to the quarantine, it would definitely be 
I, I, I do Pilates. So prior to the quarantine, once a week or twice a week, Pilates was definitely my top self-care practice. As well as, this is something that I miss in the outside world. I like eating out alone. That is, oh my God. See, thinking about it, I'm smiling. <laughs> I would remember times that I would drive home from work and because I wanted a break between work and home, not that home is so stressful, but of course, like when you get home, you have a responsibility to your children, to your husband, to running the house. I would enjoy stopping by the mall and sitting outside the restaurant, eating alone. Oh my gosh, that was something. That was definitely a top self-care um, thing. But during quarantine, of course, we don't go out and it's tougher because even the lines of work and home life blur. I do try to find pockets of time that I can spend alone, which is usually when everyone is asleep at night. So my little self-care during the quarantine is at 11 p.m., 11.30 when the house is so quiet and I can just enjoy listening to podcasts, watching videos, taking online classes. I'm a nerd like that. Um, yeah, it's definitely that, that, that window of time at night, which I only have sometimes because sometimes you just also fall asleep out of sheer exhaustion. But um, that is my self-care. I, I, I like... Um... I like what you said about eating out alone because so many people would never eat out alone. They just feel, you know, odd or awkward or like everyone's going to stare at them. And to me, eating out alone by yourself means that you're so comfortable with yourself. You know, like you like your I own company. I love that that's what it means. If yeah, that's absolutely. what it means, then I love it. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I would never go out and eat by myself. I felt strange. And I, uh, when I got on my own journey of self-discovery, I started to travel a lot more on my own, eat meals on my own in a restaurant in public. And I remember recognizing that I was starting to fall in love with myself. Like I liked my company so much. I don't need anyone else there. In fact, I want my own company sometimes. I want that quiet time. I want that me time. And that's what you do, right? When everyone's asleep, it's all about time for you, which I think is really important, especially when you're leading such a busy life. Yeah. I remember, I remember my, um, my favorite professor of all time is my Ateneo philosophy professor, Dr. Leo Garcia. And he introduced to me and all his students the word Jewissans. I don't know exactly what it means. I have to Google it. But Jewissans, okay. he explains, means that simple pleasure or something you are so happy doing on your own that you have so much fulfillment and, and derive joy from. And um, I think that is exactly the feeling I get when I used to eat out alone in restaurants or when I do enjoy my online courses quiet at night when everyone's sleeping. 
Wow, what a great word. I'm completely going to Google that as well. And I'm definitely going to be sharing that with our audience. That is an amazing word. I've never heard of it before. Um, but it sounds like something that we all should have. Everyone should have their own Jewessence. Okay, that's like everyone's project, by the way, for this episode. Find your Jewessence. And actually, that brings me to my last question, Bianca. I would love to continue going on and probing your mind because there's definitely a lot of jewels in there. Um, but oh. what I want to ask you is what is your project loving myself mantra? What is that thing? It could be a practice or something you tell yourself, something you commit to, which is what you do for self-love, what you do to love yourself and to make sure that you're constantly making yourself important in your own life? Oh, that is so hard. Wow, you really ask tough questions. <laughs> um, I don't know. I honestly have never thought about that. But what comes to mind or what, has, what came to mind when you were asking the question is I feel like the way... I practice or the way I love myself is that I look at myself as a work in progress and I constantly want to learn. I constantly want to find ways to be better, to do better. And um, I don't know if that's self-love, but that is what came to mind when you asked the question. That's actually a big project loving myself um, idea and concept that I um, really believe in. I really like to share that with other people too, is that, you know, always recognizing that you're a work in progress. Love yourself for who you are, for all that you are, but it's okay to keep seeking, to evolve, to improve, to develop. And that is what self-love journey that's what the well-being and self-love journey is about. It's about seeing yourself as someone who has a lot more to travel, a lot more to journey. You know, there's more to learn. There's more to grow. And just he having that kind of a growth mindset, I think, will make sure that you're constantly moving towards your life purpose. You're moving to um, towards the right direction and that you will find all the uh, support and all the resources in your life that's going to help you get there. So I really would like to say that this has been a very heartwarming episode. I think uh, there's been some really great tips, really great ideas that have come into to this conversation, being purposefully optimistic, you know, embracing the emotion. I love the Go through the motion of the ocean, okay? And then also you talked about being intentional, deliberate, and gratitude. Life, our life being our message, finding our purpose. And of course, the definite cherry on top of the cake is Jewessence. So it has been a remarkable conversation, Bianca. Uh, definitely what I expected from our, our, our episode today. I knew that this was going to be really a lot of uh, great sharing and exchanging of um, ideas. So I really thank you for coming on the Project Loving Myself episode. 
Um, before we go, would you like to share a message with our listeners? Anything you'd like to say? And of course, I know they'd love to follow you if they aren't already doing so. So please give them all your details. Um, I'm sure a lot more people can benefit from Paano Bato. Yay! Well said. <laughs> First of all, for the information of everyone watching, this is actually the first time I've met, spoken to, and seen Sanaia. And it has been an absolute pleasure being interviewed by you. I truly, truly enjoyed this conversation. And though we've only met now and even virtually, like I said earlier, I really feel your warmth. And I do hope that this isn't the last conversation we'll be having together. To everyone listening, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. And what, what Sanaia mentioned is um, Paano Bato. Basically, if you go on YouTube and type Paano Bato, and any topic, literally, Paano Bato confidence, Paano Bato love, whatever uh, topic you want to find, um, a video will pop up. And on my personal accounts... Uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's I am Super Bianca, basically on all social media platforms. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a conversation I didn't knew I needed. You helped me a lot. I learned so much from you. Thank you. Thank you, Bianca. Definitely. It's mutual love and admiration uh, for me as well. And um, it definitely is not going to be our last meeting. Was that an amazing episode or what? I mean, I was just so amazed by so many things she said. I think what came across so clearly with Bianca is, you know, her authenticity. That's what I loved about the conversation. I love that, you know, when she didn't know the answer, she said, you know, I don't really know the answer. And as she would talk through it, she'd come up with the right answer, the answer that really reflects how she feels. And so I really want to, you know, share that with everybody that sometimes we don't need to know all the answers. And sometimes as we communicate and we express ourselves and we speak, we learn about ourselves. You know, we learn about how we feel. And that's why meaningful conversation is so important. That is what I created the Project Loving Myself podcast for, is for that kind of conversation that inspires us to introspect, to think about who we are and why we're doing things. So to share with all the listeners out there, you know, find your junisance, juisance. I really got to look that up to find out more about that word. But, you know, go and find your purpose. Find what drives you. Find why you're doing all the things in your life. And maybe, maybe you might want to try flowing with your life. You know, not struggling against it, but perhaps seeing... Where is your life taking you? What are these opportunities that are coming to you? And maybe you want to explore those opportunities instead of shutting the door because you think that it, it's not in line with what you initially had in mind. I think what we can see from Bianca's journey is that she found a lot of, ex a lot of success just flowing with her life, just seeing where it was going. And if you look at where she is today, I think she has really come a long way and she continues to fulfill her life purpose. Now let me know what you think and let me know how you feel about the things we talked about. Okay, do share, 
follow at Project Loving Myself Podcast on Instagram and uh, also Project Loving Myself on Facebook. You can also follow me directly at Sanaya Gurnamal on all social media channels. That's at S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. Now for my Project Loving Myself thought for this week. It is something I already said earlier in the podcast. Your life is your message. Be very clear about that message that you'd like to share with this world. Be clear about who you are and what you are here to do. On that note, everyone, thank you for joining me on this episode with Bianca Gonzalez. And uh, I look forward to connecting with all of you again on another episode next week. See you soon. You are loved. Bye-bye.